This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Hello and welcome to Culture Check, a Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the TailgateSociety.com and subscribe to Tailgate Society podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Arnold Woods. I have no intention of running for alderman or any other public office. And I'm <laughs> always by Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on? I also do not plan on running for that public office. It's still on the table, but um, to be determined. <laughs> um, and it, Arnold is referencing the movie we just watched, and we're going to discuss Widows. Um, I do want to throw in super early this, like last week, um, for Get Out. Widows has spoilers. Like we will be talking about spoilers. This movie has some uh, moments that if we talk about it, we will ruin it for you. So thank you for listening this far in. We appreciate you. Um, You know, carry on if you must. Do we know what an alderman does? No idea. Like I I Wikipedia it. And I'm just, I'm still not, I've heard of it before, but. It's still not, I like, I don't know what the difference is between that and like a city council person or a, I'm guessing it's a step below a mayor, but maybe above a city council person. I don't know. I'm not sure. I like podcast, obviously, but (laughs) I don't know. I, it's just like each district is represented by an alderman, but doesn't each, isn't each district um, represented by like a city council member? And it, is it specific to Chicago? No, I don't think so. But I think that it's you have to the city has to be a certain size to have an alderman. I live in Des Moines. We don't have alder people here. I don't know. You're you're in Austin though. Do you have I'm get I don't know if you have an alderman or not. Um, I don't think so. That doesn't sound familiar, but like let me before I'm like, yes, I don't know anything about yeah, um nope. We it doesn't look like Austin has an alderman. It's a when I Google it, it pulls all these things out of Chicago, which, you know, works out super well since this movie is set in Chicago. Maybe like New York has them. I think so. That okay. sounds right. Okay. That's right. We'll do, do some more digging. <laughs> um, but Widows, the alderman plays a pretty big role, um, yeah. but that is not what this movie is about. While the Chicago alderman election for this district that is a significant part of the movie um has nothing to do with what we're going to actually i mean it has a little bit but we're talking about viola davis's performance in widows um it came out in 2018 it was directed by steve mcqueen who i this was an am i dumb moment when i googled steve mcqueen i was like oh right this man is like black and british um i was surprised about the british part 
um, just given the the movie. I'm like, oh, wow, we have this movie set in a very American city directed by someone who's not American. And he also directed 12 Years a Slave. So um, Widows, um, a police shootout leaves these four thieves dead during an explosive armed robbery attempt in Chicago. And then their widows, Veronica, Linda, Alice, and Amanda have to take on the debt left behind by their spouse's criminal activities. Amanda opts out of joining the other women. And so Linda recruits her babysitter, Belle, to be the fourth person they need to complete this job that Veronica's husband had like planned to complete. Um, So these women come together to pull off the heist so that like, they can just get out of these really bad situations and plot twist, not plot twist, but like <laughs> spoiler, um, they do complete it. And the plot twist is Veronica's husband played by Liam Neeson is not dead. Veronica is played by Viola Davis, who just, my goodness is amazing in this movie. She's incredible. She holds the movie together. Yes is very much about the four of them but she is very much the leader of the movie yes and before we get into kind of our thoughts on it and our thoughts on her performance i wanted to ask you what was your what was it like the first time seeing this movie for you i guess what went through your head i'm i don't know if you saw this in the theater or not the movie came out like you said in 2018 and i was wondering for you um if this is a movie that you were excited to see or did you see with a bunch of people or just give me a little bit of context, I guess, for, for how you came to the movie for the first time. Yeah. So I had a friend that I had worked with in the athletic department who was like, you need to see this movie. Um, It's super well done. And it's someone who I like respected their opinion of movies. And I was like, I I don't know too much about it. I know Viola Davis is in it. So like, that seems fine. the trailers lead me to believe it's not really my kind of movie. And I saw it and rewatching it, I was like, I think this might be one of my favorite movies. Um, one of my favorite serious movies, <laughs> I should say. And I saw it in a the theater. I think I saw it with some friends and like was blown away by it. I was just like, the story was good. It moves right along. It's a, the movie's like two hours, but it just like, there's so much happening. They're telling so many stories and like, they tell the story of like the, the four widows and there's that alderman race going on on the side and it like kind of plays a role into it, but like, it's not the most, like that could be replaced with anything. Those women like doing the heist like could not like their situations their stories like it it's just super well written it's obviously very well uh acted like the the actors in are amazing and I was really excited to rewatch it for this just because I remember being like super shocked at the end when she shoots Liam Neeson like that one like that part of the movie I was like oh my gosh like I love this ending but it's very unexpected and there were other parts of the movie that were unexpected like you watch their marriage kind of fall apart when she has like these flashbacks when she thinks he's dead and 
their son, like that, like little bit of the storyline, like it plays a big role in like her motivations and like why she ends up being like so frustrated with him and her figuring out that the baby of Amanda is his. It took me a very long time to realize that that was the conclusion. So um, I still felt the same, like, oh my gosh, this movie, watching it again. Um, What did you think? I know this was your first time watching the movie. It was, and it's funny that you say, or I guess it's interesting that you say that when you saw the trailers, you thought, based on the trailers, it's kind of not your kind of... And I remember seeing the trailers and thinking, like, this is my kind of movie, because I just... (laughs) I love a good crime movie. I love crime dramas. That's probably my favorite genre of movie. And so I remember seeing the the trailer for this for this film and being really excited to see it. But again, as is kind of a theme on this podcast, it was one of those movies that I wanted to see in the theaters and I just didn't get around to. My daughter would have been two at that point when this movie came out in 2018. And as I always say, I guess when you're when you have kids, your movie viewing um your, your movie viewing abilities go down and as far as going to the theater to, to see movies. And this was one I was really excited to watch because I had heard from many people, my, my sister chief among them, how good the movie was. And then you expressed your enthusiasm for how good the movie was too. So I was really excited to watch it. And kind of going along with what you said, this is this is kind of a critique I have of the movie, but it's a critique in a way where it's, it's a good problem to have, I guess, is that it's a lot of different movies in one. Yeah. A lot of different storylines that interconnect with each other. But we've talked about the political aspect of the movie in terms of, in terms of the Alderman race. And then there's the, 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 the storyline with the son with, uh, Liam Neeson and, and Viola Davis's character's son, who ends up getting killed by police, it's revealed in a flashback. Like there's that aspect of it. And then there's, you know, there's there's a difference between movies being multi-layered and then just having a bunch of different plots in one. And the movie's a little overstuffed in that way. But it's a critique, but it's like n- none of those plot lines are weak. None of, them are, none of them are poorly executed. It's just a lot to stuff into one two-hour movie. So I wasn't anticipating that aspect of it. I thought the movie would be mostly about them trying to pull this job, which it is, but there's, there's just so much more in the movie than I was anticipating, and it made me want more. I want to see more of their history of, of this marriage falling apart because of this son's tragic death. Like, that's its own movie. Yeah. I want more about this old politician and his young son kind of bristling their bristling relationship. And he's trying to move out of his father's shadow. And then do I really want to do politics or do I want to do my own thing? And then there's this crime aspect involved in that. That's its own movie. And then there's this young upstart black politician. Who's also a Loki gangster with his brother. And like, that's its own movie. So there's a lot of different plot strands within the movie that I want that I wasn't anticipating, but all of them are great. It's just like a lot to kind of fit into one movie. What did you think, I guess, rewatching it? Uh, I don't know if you've seen it since you saw it in the theater, but, but rewatching it, what about Viola Davis's performance just really jumped out at you, I guess. How she really 
commands the screen in like every scene she's in even like the scene she has with like Daniel Kaluuya Brian Tyree Henry like they also are very strong actors (laughs) like and their characters are just like super intense and Colin Farrell like you have all of these like extremely strong actors and she's in those scenes and at least for me I'm like yes I for whatever reason she's just super compelling um and Viola Davis like I watch How to Get Away with Murder and I like to me I'm just like man she's just like such a badass woman in like every role she's in and Widows is just like I feel like the peak of that where she's just like she brings it in every scene she's in. You mentioned a very good point, how there's so many storylines going on um, within the movie. And it would be nice to see, like, maybe the the four women together more or, like, their individual stories more. But, like, the fact that it, it's called Widows and it's supposed to be about these, you know, basically these five women, the four Widows plus Belle. Um, and, like, I I forgot about the woman that like Liam Neeson's character cheats on Viola Davis's character with, like, I forget that that's a thing. I remember Michelle Rodriguez because she like, I remember the, um, I can remember her like dress shop and like kind of the, the woman who ends up um, being an escort, like very vaguely remember her part, but like in ever all of their, parts the roles they play in this film like it's made stronger by the leadership of viola davis yeah she's such a powerful figure in the film like we said like she's she's the center of the film she holds the all of the pots together but to go along with what you said what you said about her um you know she's she's a badass in the movie but she's also i don't i don't know if i've seen a performance like this where she is so she's at once like fearless but also full of fear mm-hmm. it's 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 really interesting to watch her in the role because she is it's really emphasized that this isn't what she normally does her husband was the leader of the crew right her husband Liam Neeson who is we are believed to be dead and then three-fourths of the way in the movie you find out that he's not dead that's the big reveal the big twist of the movie which i did not see coming oh wow i didn't yeah that that was a, that was a surprise to me and i when i when that moment happened i was like wow that was really well done but she is she's not her husband was the leader of the crew but she's not a criminal yeah and she's aware that her husband is a criminal usually in movies like this it's kind of off the top it's the wife or the girlfriend or whoever is kind of blindsided by the fact that her significant other led a criminal lifestyle and this movie kind of sidesteps that and and subverts that trope by showing that she was aware of what was going on and kind of purposely kept herself out of all the details but she knew enough that was of what was going on that she has to kind of become a fledgling criminal herself in order to pay back this debt to to brian tyree henry's character but I was so captivated watching her because she's playing these different things. She's playing, she's playing the leader and she's, you know, internally questioning her leadership a little bit, but she's projecting kind of what we talked about with Get Out with Chris, right? With Daniel Kaluuya's character in that movie where he's projecting this confidence, but internally he's hyper aware of what's going on and he's trying to 
keep himself out of danger. That's kind of what what Viola Davis does in, in this role. But she's playing those two things, and she al- she's also playing someone who's just grieving over the loss of her husband, or what she thinks is the loss of her husband. Yeah. And it, the movie kind of intercuts back with flashbacks, and I think it's really clever filmmaking wise that there are moments where she's like waking up and she's next to Liam Neeson and it's kind of, you're seeing her in her thoughts and, you know, when you lose someone close to you, you can still sort of feel them there in a lot of ways. And you're, you're waking up and you're so used to waking up next to this person, but now that they're gone, but in your mind, they're still there. So it's, it's kind of that, that aspect of it was, was really cool. And so she's, and she has to balance all these relationships, but she, she's definitely a badass but she's also really vulnerable in the movie. And I think that she just, she plays it extremely well. And her acting talent is just, just off the charts in this movie. What did you think about her relationships with the other women? She kind of has to assemble this crew of, of the, you know, like you said, the widows, right? The, the crew members who had died and their significant others, she has to kind of wrangle them together and they have to develop their own relationships in order to get this job. Uh, pull this job off so they can pay back the mobsters and also keep some for themselves. So what did you think about her relationship to the, the rest of the main characters, the rest of the women? I think that she, because they, even they kind of are like, she's such a hard ass. And I think for her to have to do that when, to your point, like she's vulnerable, she's grieving over the loss of her husband. And then her kind of like, she kind of figures it out when she goes to Amanda's house and she takes her dog with her and the dog freaks out because the dog knows that Liam Neeson's there. Um, And so she like, I'm sure playing that not necessarily like grief anymore, but now this like what's going on, like this confusion. And then in the end, when like she knows that he's still alive and she's just like pissed, um, you see her go through all those emotions and with those women, like she has to like hold a very specific like demeanor around them. Like she has to be strong for them and be the one with the plan because her husband was the one who left the plans for them to like execute. And the other two are kind of like tentative. Like they, they're kind of lost because they're, they are also grieving. Um, Linda and Alice are. And so they, they kind of need her, her leadership and they need her to be really on them. But then, you know, she is no, when she's not around them and she's just very like, Oh my gosh, what's going on. Um, I, I think it's an impressive like relationship for her to portray just because it's not really like that soft, except for that moment with, Alice um like when they kind of like get into it and then they end up just like having a moment like she's soft like that one time and then back to just being like very cut and dry with them so that they can get the job done and not like I assume that she's playing it like that because they just want to like make sure they get out alive like they're just trying to do it as best as they can um given the resources they have you you mentioned that relationship with with the Alice character who's played by Elizabeth Debicki, and I have that in my notes. Like I thought that was a really fascinating dynamic between the two of them. To me, it just really came across as, 
you know, Viola Davis is the older character, and I think that Elizabeth Debicki's character is is meant to be the youngest out of them. It's pretty. Yeah. She's the youngest, and so there's there's this older younger sister dynamic between the two of them that was really fascinating to me, and they are really opposites, right? They're black and they're white, and they're one is older, one is younger. One has, you know, lost a child and the other one is just like getting out of this abusive relationship with her boyfriend who had died in the heist. But they kind of come together. They kind of find each other in the movie. Like they, their two relationship is the, it turns out to be the strongest out of all of them, yeah. out, of, out of all the widows. And there's the, like you said, like they, she, Viola Davis kind of gets on her a lot, right? When, they, when she's trying to buy the van. And um, just there's all these little moments and then the moment in the at her apartment where she comes and she's, you know, the guy that she is that she's seeing kind of leaves hastily and they have that tense moment, but it turns into something really tender. And then at the very end of the movie is, you know, the movie ends on them in the weeks or months or whatever after the heist, after the final heist, they kind of they're in the same place at the same time and the, the movie ends on them kind of reconnecting. So I thought that that was, that was just really interesting. And you made earlier just such a really good point about Viola Davis in this movie where I, I really love characters who are just barely holding it together. And she's, she's barely holding it together, but she has to project, like you said, leadership and strength. And it's specifically what you said about her finding out that Liam Neeson is still alive, right? Like that's another completely new acting direction that she has to go in and she plays it so well where she goes through you know loneliness and grief and sadness and and fear like she's playing all of those and now she has to portray like betrayal and confusion and she's just so talented in portraying those emotions but at the same time when she gets with the other widows like she has to put on the brave you know leadership face she doesn't let that interfere with the job that they have to do or the heist that they have to pull off. So that was just really incredible, really incredible acting out of her. 100%. And I mean, if they, if the movie focused on the other widows, I'm sure we would have seen that range of like emotions coming from them and how they're navigating these relationships. But because it really is about Viola Davis's character and, um, her navigating it, we we get to see that very strong performance from her. What are some of? I get we're going to talk more about the plot of the movie and some of the plot mechanics and stuff. But before I, I guess we get into that, what are who are some of the other performances that really stuck out to you from the movie? I guess besides Viola Davis, and then we've you talked a little bit about Michelle Rodriguez's character, who I thought was great, and her arc of you know her motivation is trying to get her store back and. Um, having that taken from her, what she thought was hers. And then, it's, it's, you know, or she finds out that after her husband has died, that he lost the store to gambling and things like that and bookies. And I thought that her character arc was, was really well done, but what are, who are some of the other characters that I guess jumped out to you on your rewatch? Um, Brian Terry Henry, even though, so I had forgotten he was in it because I, I think about the trailer that obviously shows all of these women and like, I'm just like, oh, right, like this, you know, Alderman race is going on as like a side thing. Like I couldn't, I couldn't remember exactly what the deal was. And I was like, oh, right, he was in this movie because he was in like a ton of movies, 2018 and 2019. And uh, I just remember being like, wow, 
what like what a character to play because he's also kind of managing relationships and expectations with people and the relationship he has with like Colin Farrell's character where he's like no like you don't have any business being here um and you want to like you really want to root for his character in those moments when he's like no like you don't live in this area you are coming in here and you just are kind of in it for the power and um then turning around and being like okay we're going after this woman and when he goes into viola davis's uh apartment and it's just like you're gonna pay me and is like such a like i don't know gangster about it he's just like i'm i'm here i'm gonna do this and so um i maybe because it's been a while since i watched this but i was like man he's so good in this and i mean a longer movie would mean like more of like daniel kaluuya's character and um I don't know I felt like Colin Farrell of all of these people was maybe like he was just okay yeah it's <laughs> I I, I want to talk a little bit about Brian Tyree Henry he's he he kind of his he like hangs over the movie in a lot of yeah way he's not honestly it was a surprise to me how little he's in the movie based on my expectations of what I thought going in, I thought that he would be in the movie more than he actually is, but his like specter kind of hangs over the movie a lot. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I love about this movie is that there aren't really any cut and dry, good or bad people. And especially you talk about with, with Brian Tyree Henry's character running for running for Alderman Jamal, I think is his name. And he is someone that you at one point are just rooting really hard for. Like you said, when he has an interaction with Colin Farrell's character, Colin Farrell is, you know, he's a legacy politician. His dad has been alderman before and his dad before him. And, you know, that's a big plot of the movie is that, you know, six generations or whatever of, of Mulligan have, have been in power in this district. And now here's this young black upstart guy from the neighborhood who is pushing back against that and who, who's running for the seat. And, you know, uh, a major plot point is that Colin Farrell's character starts off high in the polls and then, you know, Jamal is on the up and up and they're trying to, he's, he's trying to beat him and his, his poll numbers are gaining and things like that. Like that kind of happens as, as the movie goes along. But he's someone that you root for really hard, like you said, in that interaction between the two of them of this young black guy who's actually invested in the neighborhood versus, you know, there's that long car shot where Colin Farrell leaves a, a campaign rally basically and like goes back to his, his family's mansion. That's also his campaign headquarters. And it's, you know, you, they drive like four blocks from, you know, government subsidized housing and the projects and everything like that. And this really shitty part of Chicago to the edge of that neighborhood, which has been, you know, the nice neighborhood. And so there's that like interplay between the two of them. And so you're, you're rooting for him in that. But then he's also, when he comes at Viola Davis's character, like he's really menacing. Yeah. He's the scary, he's, you know, pretty clear cut mobster type. And he's running for Alderman. He says right from the beginning, like he's running from Alderman. So he doesn't have to be a gangster anymore. Like he wants to be legitimate, not in a, not in a way that is altruistic or he's had this, 
change of heart. He's found God or this conscious or whatever else it is. He's just like, it's easier to make money straight than it is as a gangster. So that's why he's trying to do it. So he's really not a great guy, but I just love movies where it's this, you know, you have to root for him in one scene and in the other scene, you're kind of like, this dude is kind of just really grimy and I don't really like him. So I, I thought that that was really well. And then, you know, Daniel Kaluuya, we can talk about, but, you know, incredible performance by him. He's also not in a lot of the movie, but he is a very menacing presence yes. as well. And I remember when this movie came out, there was a lot of conversation about how good he was in it. He is very intense in that, in this movie. And I think because, you know, we just watched Get Out. And so I'm like, oh, maybe there'll be a scene where I'm not like scared. Um, no, like when they're in the the gym and it's those two guys and they're like, hey, you lost the money. And he shoots one and then tells the other one to run and then just shoots. I'm like, wow, that's just like evil. He He's doing evil so well in this. Yeah, he's over the top. Like, that was crazy. Yeah, the scene with the cool kids. Uh, shout out to the cool kids, the rappers, a rap group. And they're, you know, uh, they have the cameo and they're, you know, in the gym. And he just, like, pops off on them. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, oh, and then the, like, the guy at the bowling alley where he just, like, after stabbing him in the leg and the side of his arm, takes his wheelchair and, like, throws it further away from him. Like, it's not just being, like, a, a bad guy who's, like, hey, I just want to, like, steal this stuff for, to, like, like, stealing the money. Like, I'm stealing the money to further my own agenda. No, he's just, like, this character is just doing bad stuff for the sake of doing bad stuff to people. He's, like, stabbing him in the leg to see where he's paralyzed and where he's not, what he can feel. That, that shit was hard to watch. That was, ooh. That was a very, I forgot about that scene because it's not like a super long scene. It's not huge. Um, and wow, is it just kind of sinister. What did you think about Cynthia Rivo's performance in this movie? Cynthia Rivo, not one of the widows, but is, uh, works at a hair salon that is also tied up in the plot in a way that we're going to discuss in a little bit. But she becomes a babysitter, a late night babysitter for Michelle Rodriguez's character because they have to meet late at night in order to, to plot the heist. And so they need a driver and their original driver ends up being killed by Daniel Kaluuya's crew in a really, oof. Yeah, it's not great. But what did you think of Cynthia Riva, who comes in late to the movie, becomes a really key part of the cast? I didn't anticipate her becoming. I think when I watched it the first time and even watching it this time, I was like, oh, she's part of this somehow. But like they're going to end up I, I kept thinking that um, the character of Amanda would like come in and like be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to help. So. Um, when Belle comes in and is like helping out with the babysitting and then the, is the fourth person to be the driver. I thought she was great. And I thought like, it would be nice to just like know more about her. Like, you know, she is a character you want to root for. Like she's working all these jobs. She has a daughter who her mom takes care of. So she, and while she's working and, um, like her motives are like genuinely pure and she 
working at the salon when she talks to her friend where she's like, why, why do you owe this guy money? And that's when it's just like, it really hits that um, Colin Farrell's character is really not doing the best thing where they are for the campaign, the Mulligan campaign. They're like, yeah, we're trying to help like minority owned businesses. Like we're trying to help these black women. And what they end up doing is being like, yeah, we'll give you the money, but like, you're going to pay us back. Like, way more than if you could have gotten approved like a loan approved but like that shows the problem of like black people not being able to get loans and so okay here comes this guy who's like yeah I'm gonna give you this loan but I'm gonna just absolutely wreck your chances of getting out of debt and um so it's good to see that character be like no we need to challenge this and ends up helping out the salon owner so she is maybe the the one genuinely good person in the movie. That's a good way to look at it. I didn't think about that yet. She is, there isn't really a lot. There isn't really anything with her that you can root against. You're not rooting against her in any way. And I guess you're not really rooting against any, against any of the widows. No, not at all. She is, she, her intentions are very pure. And it, to the point that I kind of questioned whether or not she would actually participate in the heist. Like, obviously it's a lot of money that she is, that's on the table for her to potentially gain. But she also has a young child. And so I'm just like, is the risk reward really worth it for her? But then also the ability to help out her friend who owns the salon and get her out of that situation as well. I don't know. Like it's a really difficult thing, a really dangerous proposition to me. It's it's a bit too much risk involved for her to actually do it, but she does it. And that's that's just like a that's a writing thing to me because her performance is is incredible in the movie, in my opinion. She's she comes in really late into the movie, but she really her scenes with Viola Davis especially like she's there she's holding her own against her. Yes, and then Viola Davis, you know, rightly kind of questions her coming in so late to the game, but they're like, you know, we need a driver, and you know, she's available, and she's just you know, don't question me. You don't need to question my motives. You know, she wants to be involved and, and fully vested right from the start. And it's she's really electric when she's when she's on the screen. I think that she's she's incredible. And her I have this in my notes, but her and Viola Davis really too, but especially her, she's like ripped in this movie. It's crazy. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> like, what's your workout regimen? Like email me something, cause like she's just like she's it's incredible. It's incredible to see. She's just like She's strong as fuck. It's it's wild. Like I'm just like damn. Like let me get on your level because I'm not on anywhere near your level. Well, have you been doing shadow boxing since watching Creed? I have a little bit, but it's just you know I I spend all of today doing yard work. So I'm I'm telling myself that you know we we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but a huge storm hit Iowa this week on Monday, and uh, I'm I'm in Des Moines, but Eastern Iowa specifically is still dealing with the aftermath of it but in in a worse way than i am certainly because we got power back on tuesday but lots of branches lots of huge branches and there the city is coming on monday to pick up the branches so i've been you know i, I have my little electric chainsaw i've been carrying branches so hopefully you know it would take me a couple more months to get anywhere of doing yard work all day to get anywhere close to what cynthia revo is in this movie and viola davis because by like just the biceps in this movie they're just killing it they're they're definitely jacked and i do remember the like 
No, it's Cynthia Rivas character. Yeah, she's like running to like catch the bus, and like all these guys are catcalling her. I'm like, I would like, in what world are you catcalling this woman who can take you? Like, she looks like she can just like beat someone down, um, which like is important when they're about to do this heist. She runs from her house to the bus, and she does like a four two forty. She like speed <laughs> from her apartment to the bus. I'm just like, damn. She's like. She does like a 9.9, 100-meter dash. It's crazy. She's it's in shape, very strong. Shout out to Cynthia. We should all hope to be on your level of fitness because you're, you're killing it. Shout out to you. Fitness goals. Like, this, this movie is definitely fitness goals. And when they're running with the, the bags of dirt, folks, if you're trying to get hella ripped, like, just fill a bag with dirt and run around. Things like that, too, is... You know, we're it's kind of a comedy aside that we're taking right here, but still, like things like that are. I love movies like that. I love heist movies. I love crime movies. And then just to see the the planning of it, it it could have honestly, you could have even seen more. But you know, Viola Davis is like, we're gonna fill these bags with dirt. You know, they they have this kind kind of conversation going back to what you said earlier about how the rest of the widows are kind of talking about how much of a hard ass Veronica is, and they're like packing these. Tupperware is full of dirt and you're kind of understanding, okay, this has to do with something with the heist, but I'm like, is this like an ocean 11 type thing? Like, are they, what are they doing exactly? How does this fit into the plan? And then you learn that they're trying to um, simulate the weight of the bags of how much the cash is going to weigh. And so they, you know, run from here to the van and run back and they're, you know, they're doing these drills to kind of prepare themselves for doing the actual heist. And I just like love seeing stuff like that. That's a big part of a movie like Ocean's 11, which is a movie that I love. And just the planning and the notes and the nuts and bolts of it is, is really cool. Any other thoughts on the cast before we go in, in a different direction here really quick? No, I, th- I think that the, the cast is phenomenal. Like we've really talked about like the, the shining stars of the, of the movie in this and like in a perfect world, there'd be like a couple different movies to really tell the stories of all these characters and see these actors like more. But yeah, I think, I think we got into it with the supporting cast and they all deserved awards. This movie got snubbed in case folks didn't know, like if you watch this movie, you're like, wow, why didn't I like see this movie sooner? Why didn't I hear about this movie? Um, well, it came out shortly after Ocean's 8, which, like, people had some words about. I enjoyed it, but, like, the reviews weren't all positive, and um, people feel it got lost a little bit. But it phenomenal cast, and people definitely should have won awards for it. Was this nominated? I'm looking at it now. I'm trying to look up if this was nominated for any Oscars. I don't know if it was, which is... I don't think it got nominated for any... Mind-blowing to me. Yeah, like, I was looking up stuff about the movie, like, before this, and I was like, oh, man, like, this must have won something, and it's like, oh, like, the reason why Widows was snubbed, and I'm like, well, that's rude, because it is amazing storytelling, it's shot super well, it's set in a city that, like, people have their own preconceived notions about Chicago, so they're like, yes, we're gonna watch a a heist, and there's, like, some mob element to it and it's set in Chicago like it has the all the pieces to be this movie that like should be super hyped like 
everyone this should have been the movie that like everyone saw at the end of 2018 because I think it came out in like November so it should have been like the movie everyone saw at like Christmas and Thanksgiving okay a couple of things before we move on yeah because I'm looking at the the Oscars for this year that it would have that it would have been nominated and you're right it wasn't nominated for a single Oscar is which is absurd that's completely absurd (laughs) This is the year that Green Book won Best Picture. Oh, God. This, I haven't seen Green Book, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say this picture was better than that picture. Right. Green Book in a year that, not, uh, a year that, a year that Black Panther and Green Book were both nominated for Best Picture. Green Book is what won Best Picture. Absurd. Bohemian Rhapsody, I heard, was garbage. Also nominated for Best Picture. I didn't see that movie. I heard it was trash. Was Rocketman also nominated that year? It wasn't nominated for... Best picture, no. Okay. But I know that old dude won for, or at least I, he might have won the Golden Globe for it, the guy that, who played Elton John in that movie. Well, I can't think of his name. Taron Egerton. That's yeah. Him. He was good in that one. That one was good. I didn't see Bohemian Rhapsody, though. I heard it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> I, it's, I, this is absurd. For it to not be... At least nominated for any awards, any acting awards or picture awards or director is absurd. Any year that fucking Green Book won. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I want to I, I, I want to talk a little bit about and we don't have to get too in the weeds about this because I'm not I'm certainly not a political scientist or anything like that. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the political plot line of the movie. Yeah. And. The Colin Farrell, the Colin Farrell character, the Robert Duvall character who plays his his dad. Yeah. What did you think? I guess about the the Alderman race, which is you know it's a recurring theme in the movie. And again, like I like we said before, like that part could have been its own movie and it would have been a fascinating movie. But there's kind of this weird thing, like we said as well, with you know Steve McQueen being this black British guy making this movie about Chicago and really capturing something really interesting about it. I have family members who are from Chicago. Uh, my wife used to live in Chicago. It's a, it's a city that's, it's one of America's most prominent cities. There's a lot of um, national conversations surrounding, surrounding Chicago often hinges on the crime in Chicago and not on, which is really bullshit because there's a lot of efforts to, um, there's a lot of community organize, organizing in Chicago centered around stopping crime there. And there's a lot of, you know, there's these prominent entertainment figures from Chicago as well, but the political plot line of the movie with the Alderman race and the relationships between, between you know Daniel Kaluuya and Brian Tyree Henry's character as brothers, and then Robert Duvall and his uh, his son played by Colin Farrell. What did you think about that that entire piece of the movie? I guess I thought it was an interesting storyline. I I felt like it was more of a critique on American politics than necessarily needing to be a part of the story. I, again. I think the story is great. I think that like everything together, like it, it's so good, but um, just the way it's kind of framed where, you know, he, his family, they've all been career politicians and it's generational. And like the, like you see the problem of like them 
representing a district they don't even like live in and them just being like and hit like the the privilege to like go to someone like there were brian tyree henry's um like the base for his campaign is in like a church because he doesn't have money and for for colin farrell's character to be like well you need to like just just like stop just like you don't have a chance and it just like that storyline in itself just like shows a lot of problems that we have in America when it comes to politics. I'm sure other countries, but like I don't live in another country, so I'm not like in the weeds with the politics. But um, I, I think it was an interesting thing to include because it really it's showing that there's so much going on around these women that don't, it doesn't have anything to do with them, but like it will impact them. And it's somehow roping them in. Like it's, it's kind of like, we don't really want to be a part of things that politicians are doing, but somehow like their mess becomes our problem. And that's kind of this situation of like, including the politics in this movie. Make such a smart point about that. You made such several smart points about that. It's, I want to, uh, a little bit about what you just said in terms of, I didn't even think of that, but the way that, especially local politics, right? And we're in this yeah. midst of this in, incredible political moment that we're in right now. This is an election year, obviously a national election year for the presidency and for various Senate, Senate races and things like that. But this movie really does a good job of showing the way that local city politics, even if you're removed from it, right? Even if you don't personally know your alderman or your city council person or your mayor, whoever it might be, the you can get caught up in their collateral damage yeah. from their corruption, from their um from from the sinister nature of why they're doing what they're doing. Why if they if politicians have bad intentions for doing things, then it it has a tangible effect on the people who they're representing. And I I the fact, the other point you made about it being a critique of American politics, I, I, I also think is a really smart point because this is pretty, I mean, I don't think that this is, it's not a secret that we're, I think that we just have more access to, to politicians now through things like social media and, and works. people are more invested in national politics than they've probably ever been. And so a movie that is basically that has the main theme that like there's no difference between politicians and gangsters is a really powerful artist and, you know, a really emphatic artistic point to make, I guess. It's not just Brian Tyree Henry's character saying in the beginning, literally, like I'm running for office so that I can make money, a lot more money legally. It's easier to make money legally this way than it is illegally. And you don't get the sense that if he's, you know, he ends up losing the race, but you don't get the sense that if he wins the race, he's going to stop doing at least a little bit of criminal shit. Right. Like that's kind of, he's, he's really good at it and he's, he has no problems, no issues with going into a woman's home and strangling her dog in order to get her to pay back her dead husband's debt. So there's that aspect of it. And then there's like the, this minority, women empowerment program that's funded by Colin Farrell's character, but it's basically like they're gangsters, right? Right. Yeah. Like there's these white gangsters who, you know, we're going to give you this money, like you said, to start your shop, but we're going to, you, 
you're going to pay us a lot more on the interest than you would normally, right? And we're basically going to own part of your shop. So it, it reminded me of this of this quote from the movie Departed. Have you seen The Departed before? Um, the Departed is one of my other favorite serious movies. <laughs> there you go. So there's the movie, there's the part, I think it's in the beginning, but it's Jack Nicholson's character where he's like, and I'm paraphrasing here maybe, so I don't, I'm not sure if this is the exact quote, but he says something like, you know, Jack Nicholson is like the big gangster, Frank Costello in the movie. And he says something to the effect of, he's like, when I was a kid, they used to tell us we could either be cops, when you grow up, you could be a cop or a criminal. And my question is, when you're staring down the barrel of a loaded gun, what's the difference? And that's kind of what this movie is about. That's kind of the thesis of this movie is that there isn't really a lot of difference between these politicians and these criminals. They're, that Those two worlds are really intertwined in a way that you might not think, or it's, it's, it's more than you think. There's a give and take between the two of them where at a certain point, you really can't tell the difference between the two of them. Does that kind of make sense? Did you yeah. Kind of sense? Yeah. It, you know, I, I think especially American politics, it's very easy to look at politicians and you're like, mm, you're kind of a criminal. Like you're taking money from people that is not yours and in various ways. And like this movie just shows through programs that are like supposed to be for minority empowerment where they're like, oh, well, like we're helping these people. Oh, are you really helping them if like you are stealing from them in the process? It really, so we, we talked a little bit about Cynthia Revo's character, but that's, that was really dope to me to see that, you know, the, like you said, the, the movie ends where they, they pull off the heist and they all survive and they do various things with their money. And Michelle Rodriguez's character, she's able to buy back her own store. So she's not in debt to, to bookies anymore. And Viola Davis's character sets up like a, a, a library at a school in her, in her son's name. And you see the Alice character, Elizabeth DeBecky's character, I guess she's starting some kind of business venture of her own. Mm-hmm. But Cynthia Revo's character at the end, she basically, like, she pays for the salon. She pays for her friend's salon, so she's not in debt to these politicians slash gangsters. And she leaves. You know, she takes her daughter and she pieces out of Chicago and, and she leaves. So... That her her ending, I think, is 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 just that's a really good, a really powerful statement to be like. This really is your shop now. Now you don't have to worry about anyone. You're not in debt to anyone. You know, where you you can create some sort of generational wealth for your daughter and then her her children, because again, you know, in this country, it's basically it's impossible for black people to have generational wealth because you weren't allowed to own anything for generations. So, you know, she's kind of striking out on her own and she's also giving her friend an opportunity to build a life for herself in the midst of this, you know, political corruption that she, that she has to deal with. So that was just really dope to me. I agree. I think that's a very, a very good part of the movie, just like that they include that, like they didn't have to, but it makes a very strong statement. So really quick, I guess, this is kind of off subject a little bit, but you've, you've mentioned this is a, a favorite serious movie for you and you thought it wasn't your, your type of movie and you said that The Departed was your favorite, other favorite serious movie. So like what is, you're not into like the crime dramas, are you, you're more into like the lighter fare, the more like the comic book movies or the, the rom-coms or the, 
action movies that aren't as serious? Like, what do you? What is your lane? I guess I like when I'm just like, oh, I just want to like watch something. I'll like put on a rom com, and if I um, if I'm like, oh, I like want to watch something, but I, I I'll pay attention. It'll be something that's more like an action movie, like Star Wars. So, like. There have been like other serious movies that I like, and I'm like, yeah, that was fine. It was a good movie. It was well done. I don't. I wouldn't watch it again. The Departed. I'd watch again. I like do watch that movie repeatedly, and this one I watch. I would watch like multiple times. Um, and I think it's just like, did you ever see? This is a terrible example, but this is. I feel like this is what happens with a lot of movies for me. Did you see The Irishman? I did. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> I watched the first like hour and a half on one day, and then I watched the second hour and a half the next day. It was just so long and drawn yeah. out, and I feel like a lot of movies can be because you do want to have like that development. Like I, yeah. that's like an example. That's a long ass movie. <laughs> it's so long, and I don't really remember like a lot of it. And I watched it recently. And so a lot of movies, I think, I think there's like a very good intention as it starts off where it's like, I'm going to create these very well-developed characters and they're going to have amazing development throughout the movie. And they're going to like, when they reach like the climax of the movie, like they're going to accomplish this thing or they're going to fail or whatever. And it's just like, they almost are trying to do too much. And that's, not every movie and as I don't watch tons of movies I'm very fairly selective if something looks like it's going to be like very violent I'm like "Mm, I don't know I don't know if I want to sit through a movie where 30% is just like senseless like shooting or like people beating each other up like sometimes watching Marvel movies I'm like man they could have cut this fight scene down a couple minutes so um and that's a little bit like that's an easier critique to make for a movie like that when it's a movie like this where like all the details matter there's not a scene that is a waste in this movie and it like there can't be (laughs) with um it's already two hours long it's telling all these different stories like they can they had to be concise in the storytelling to get all that information in so that you have like this full picture of how these women are interacting with these like politicians and why, how Viola Davis's character can kind of change so quickly. Like why was she already kind of like on the outs with her husband when she has like those flashbacks where she's like frustrated with him while their son died. Okay. That does cause issues in terms of like their relationship. So then maybe it makes it a little bit easier when, she finds out that he did cheat on her and she's just like our marriage was falling apart. And like, you, you can see that it doesn't, it's not like a surprise. You're not just like, Oh my gosh, out of nowhere, like with no background information, we see that like Liam Neeson has a child with this woman. Like you could see that, but like it makes a more compelling story when you're like, Oh, like these things happen and you see what, like how things are falling apart. Yeah. And I think that, the performances really help the plot along in that way. Yes. Really easy for you to, because you have the little breadcrumbs of Viola Davis and Liam Neeson, you know, 
her flashbacks start off with, you know, the movie opens with them like French kissing pretty hard. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you understand her grief because she's losing her husband who she loved a lot, but then you kind of, as it goes along, you start to understand that their marriage was falling apart a little bit, but then the, if her reaction to learning that he is still alive and has a, a child by another woman, if her, if her acting weren't so good, you might even be like, well, did we really even need that plot? Like, did we yeah. even need, even need that, that story beat? But she just portrays it so well that it, it becomes like an essential part of the story. And again, that's a testament to her. That's a testament to the rest of the cast who have to do these other things. There's, there's a small moment where it really has nothing to do with the plot of the entire movie, but uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character is looking for the architect to these plans and she finds the guy and the guy turns out, you know, she impersonates a, a, a person who works at this, at this, you know, architectural firm or whatever. And she meets this guy and it turns out that his wife had passed away and, you know, she's still grieving from the loss of her husband and they end up like kissing a little bit. And it really doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie, but the acting is so good where you just understand, you know, just the way that, you know, good actors are able to portray emotion in a way that helps the story along. Yeah. And she portrays this woman's grief and just, you know, kind of grieving and, and emotional and like does this thing where she makes out with this guy. And, you know, some, I don't know, some people might see that as a critique or you didn't really need that scene, but to me, it just, it makes sense. Like she's grieving and she's, while she's grieving, she has to, she's caught up in this, convoluted like high stress heist plot that she has to do and so she's just like expressing expressing emotion in a way that you know she it's it's kind of pouring out of her and the acting is just so so well done and so high level that it just kind of going along with your point like nothing there aren't any missed beats there aren't any scenes where you're like to me there's not any scenes where you're just like now nah, that scene didn't need to be in here to me, it's just more the plot. Like the plot is so overstuffed. Um, it just makes me want other movies. Like I want the the other. I want the two-hour Chicago political um, <laughs> crime drama, and then I also want the the two-hour version of this movie that's just them planning and executing the heist, and then the other two-hour movie between. You know, like just that the acting is so good. It just makes me want more, and instead of me, instead of me leaving leaving the movie wishing that some things were were cut i guess that makes sense well and you had said like talking about like the even the political thing so if there had been like a, a whole movie about like colin farrell and robert duvall like i don't even know that would be less about the even the mob piece of it it would just be kind of strictly a politics an american politics movie for sure yeah just and i think that that's such a that's so relatable because there's there's so many of these sons it's mostly sons right it's mostly men but there's so many of these sons of politicians who become politicians themselves yes and to kind of see the behind the scenes power struggle slash animosity like we're introduced to robert duvall in the movie making a speech about how great his son is and then as the movie goes along you see that they kind of hate each other 
Yeah. So, like that is just really interesting to me to see. And I think would have been a really cool movie like by itself, but the movie we have either way is, is phenomenal. Great movie. Widows highly recommend. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Rent it. I guess don't go see it. It's not in theaters and don't go to theaters in general because they're cesspools for COVID-19. So that's some very good advice. Um, <laughs> that's very solid advice. You can rent widows. You can buy widows online. Like, this i mean i think every movie we've talked about has been like a very good movie widows is one that i think that everyone would enjoy like it's an everybody movie yeah it hits all of the areas because it's just a it's a very interesting movie and like you have to re-watch it almost to like catch everything um because they're like it is a stuffed plot, but it is good and it moves and the acting is phenomenal and it's egregious that they didn't get awards. <laughs> Completely absurd. Completely absurd. Let's look at some of the really quick, because I know we're at the end here, but really quick. Best actress. Olivia Coleman won for the favorite. Didn't see it, heard it was good. Great. Did you see a star is born? Lady Gaga is is nominated. Is she good? I hadn't seen it. I also haven't seen it, but I've... So, Emily from Sports and Quirks, she loves that movie. I've never <laughs> seen it. <laughs> Maybe she's worthy. I don't know. I can't... I, I You know, actually, none of these other ones I've seen. M- Melissa McCarthy, can you ever forgive me? I heard that was good, but I don't know. I've not even heard of that. Viola should have been nominated. That's the point. Absolutely. Viola, and then for, like, supporting actress... Um, supporting actress and actors. So, like, supporting actress, Elizabeth Debicki... Yeah, great. She she has the most character development in the whole movie. She goes from being like she gets beat up by her boyfriend and her mom. She becomes an escort and real like she tells that guy off and he like really sucks. Um, but like she she becomes her own person. You watch her grow throughout this whole movie. She deserved to be nominated. Michelle Rodriguez deserved to be nominated for best like for supporting actor. Absolutely, Brian Tyree Henry and Daniel Kaluuya. Like, what? <laughs> I've seen out of every, like, person that you just mentioned who should have been nominated, I've seen in recent history people who are much worse in movies get nominated. It's but, rigged. But it's, I don't know, it's ridiculous. Elizabeth DeBecky, shout out to her, 6'3". Tall. She's so tall. Um, I know her from Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2, where she plays the, uh, I think, Aisha in the movie. In the beginning, like the tall gold woman. Oh, I forgot about that. First thing that I saw her in, and I was just like, it was weird because like she's sitting down, but even sitting down, I could tell that she was really tall. Shout out to her though, great Australian actress. Should have been nominated. Um, the screenplay should have been nominated. It was written by Steve McQueen and Gillian Flynn, who wrote Gone Girl. So that's why that plot twist is like amazing, is because she writes those very well. Did you see Gone Girl? I did. And it was one of those movies that I was like, I know this is a probably good movie. It stresses me out to watch it. Um, but the, the plot, um, a friend had told me about the plot twist before I saw it, because if I had just walked into that, I would have maybe lost my mind a little bit. It's a pretty good adaptation of the book. I read the book like a week before the movie came out. And shout out to Gillian Flynn. Gillian Flynn I knew from Entertainment Weekly. I was a big Entertainment Weekly. Gotcha. She she used to write for Entertainment Weekly. 
And I think that she said that she had kind of used that influence in the the Nick Dunn character as the the former writer who kind of falls off the rails a little bit after he gets, you know, fired or laid off or whatever that was. Um, also, shout out to Gone Girl filmed in my hometown or in the town I was born in, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Oh, wow. That's yeah. a fun fact. It is, yeah. It's weird. Like, obviously, we're way off the rails now, but there's in the <laughs> midpoint of the movie where she's she's driving across the bridge. Like, that's the bridge that you drive in to get into Cape. And so oh. we're in the movie theater. Like, I saw it. I don't remember who I saw it with. I saw it with a couple of people, but... Like she's driving across the bridge and that come that scene comes on. And I'm like, oh shit, I say that in the theater because I recognize the bridge. And everyone, it's not like a it's not a exhilarating part of the movie necessarily. So it was all like quiet, and you just hear me yelling because I recognize the bridge. Anyways, um great movie, Gone Girl. Great, great movie Widows. Fabulous what, movie. What have, you, what have you thought about this exercise that we've done? The last seven weeks we've been doing these movies. This is our last one highlighting black performances and films. What are your overall thoughts, I guess, on, on what we've been doing? I think we got, we kind of ran the gamut with it. We, we went all over the place. We didn't really stay in one like genre. We looked at a variety of like actors and actresses. And like, there is some connection between them. Like I'm sure that from the starting one to this end one, like, you know, that, uh, what the seven degrees to Kevin Bacon. So I think that we could have done this with these movies, but that also speaks to how few black actors and actresses there are. And so of course they've all been in movies together. Um, but I think it, it has been really fun. It's been, it was a creative exercise in the beginning because it's like, Oh, like, movies with black people in them that are like not black panther that was like my first i'm like well what what other movies are black folks in that are like big and movies that people are like yes this movie is significant i mean other than widows like all these other movies have kind of gotten recognition widows of all of them maybe deserved way more um so it's been really good but what have you thought I agree with you. I'm glad that we got like different genres of movies. I agree that there needs to be more black people in movies. We're just now getting to a moment where we're, you know, Hollywood is starting to, to churn those or churn, churn those out more and put more support behind them. And they, you know, kind of uplift black filmmaker, black filmmakers more. I think that there's besides hidden figures and, uh, is it just beside, Hidden Figures and Bad Boys were directed by white people, but the other five that we did were directed by black people. Uh, Spike Lee and Forrest Whitaker and Ryan Coogler and Jordan Peele and now Steve McQueen. But we, we just need more black movies. We need more yes. blacks in, in front of and behind the camera. And I'm glad that we did this. We could, you know, this could have been its own podcast for, this could just be the only thing that we do on this podcast, but uh, I'm I'm glad that we did this, and I'm excited to to keep it going. Next next week we're going to do a mailbag, so look out for that tweet. We'll we'll get your questions about these movies, and then movies with black people in them in general. I'm excited to do our you know every so often our mailbag. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Same. It'll be I think it'll be really fun, and like 
discussing, continuing to discuss those movies kind of all together and, um, you know, black performances and the lack thereof in Hollywood, but we're seeing more and more, like, I think it'll be really great. So send in your questions, folks. Send them in. We're going to be excited to read them and answer them. And also next week we will reveal our next incarnation of Culture Check. Emily and I have been discussing it. We've been planning it. And I'm really excited to share that with you. I know Emily is as well. So it's going to be great. Facts. It's going to be so much fun. But thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. See you next time.